0: Welcome to the Monetary Mixtape with Will Hoffman, founder of Hoffman Wealth Management. In this podcast, we help fellow Gen Xers simplify complex wealth issues that are important to Gen X. We do this by cutting out the mundane material and using a refreshing approach to finances in a way this skipped generation appreciates. Join us for this ride where we explore financial planning and wealth management as Will Hoffman draws from almost 20 years of experience and brings to you qualified guests to help be your latchkey to tricky monetary affairs. Welcome to Monetary Mixtape with your host, Will Hoffman,
1: where we talk about the ever-forgotten Generation X. I'm Wendy
2: McConnell. Hey there, Will. How are you? I'm great, Wendy. How are you today? Oh, I am
1: feeling good. So good. Uh, we have a guest today?
2: Yes. Yes, we have a guest. And, and um, I don't want to delay much because I have a feeling we're going to have a lot to talk about. Um, so we have with us Eve Simon. Eve is from the podcast and uh group Gen X Stories. Uh, welcome to the show, Eve. How are we doing today?
1: Doing okay. I'm really grateful to be here with you guys.
2: Yeah, we're we're excited to have you. Um really looking forward to the conversation. Eve and I had a, a, a great discussion a few months ago um when when we met one another, um, did a did a quick Zoom session and then um you know, we're going to talk about the sandwich generation, us being the sandwich generation, both because um, we're kind of sandwiched between boomers and millennials, which everybody else likes to talk about. In addition to that, um, we are in a pretty unique position with our generation right now because we are raising our kids um, and running them everywhere. We were just talking about the last few weeks of May and and the uh, tireless track meet that that becomes with running kids everywhere and getting teachers gifts and, and all that stuff. But we're also starting to be in a position where we have to help out with our parents a lot more. They're having uh, physical ailments, um, you know, unfortunately dealing with with health problems. And um that that was kind of what Eve and I talked about. and And ironically, it took us a while to get this scheduled because we were in a sandwich ourselves, right? we we I was uh, taking care of kids. And Eve, what did you have going on?
1: Well, I think you and I talked probably a couple of weeks, sorry, a couple of months. After my father passed away. Yes. So that um, I'm an only child. So that is all consuming. And and it, my father passed away September 11th to 2022. Um, and I am i don't think I'm ever going to be over it. But in the immediacy sure. of a couple months, uh, a lot of, as you said, financial stuff, a lot of structural things we need to deal with. But there's also the feeling of grief that you have to sort of square with everything else. And that's when you and I started to talk.
2: Right. Talked about that. And then you ended up, you know, helping out with your mother for a little bit there too, right?
1: Yeah. Because, you know, universe can't give us a year. (laughs) So my mother uh, at the end of March fell and, and fractured her hip. Oh man. And so she's, she's a very, very uh, active 80 and she actually got up from the fall. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then eventually went to the hospital and they found a break and she had to have the surgery with the three screws that go into the, the hip bone. And I was, uh, until just recently in Philadelphia where she lives trying to keep her sitting in her chair. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's the tough part with, with our folks right now. My, both of my parents are very, very active. So, you know, keeping track of them kind of takes them back to thinking about them trying to keep track of me when I was a kid. And, uh, yeah, Don't someone,
1: position. <laughs> someone actually reminded me when I was really having issues with mom. I mean, again, I've been helping mom with finances and I've been helping mom with all the details following dad's passing, but in this specific thing, she is, she is tricky. And a friend of mine reminded me, she changed your diapers. <laughs> you, you can do what she needs yeah. of you right now, and I'm like, okay, well, that's perspective. So, well, yeah. just tell them that they have to be home by dark. That's right. right. Tell by your dark,
2: parents. before yeah. streetlights come on, right? That's it. <laughs> so, oh my
1: god, that's a good. I should have done that. There's <laughs> <You're> still time.
2: <laughs> how is how is uh, Mama Simon doing?
1: Mama Simon is doing great. She good. um she she actually okay. she had the surgery on April Fool's Day, and I really hoped it wasn't a joke. Um, it's, she passed. She's in her seventh week seventh or eighth week or something, she's doing great. She's still Good. stuck with a with a uh, walker, which for someone so active, and she was my father's caregiver, it is like she can't handle it kind of thing. <laughs> and so half of my job when I was with her was to try to sort of say, Mom, I can do that for you. Mom, I can do that for you. Let me Let me go do that. And she just has a hard time. I think that generation has a hard time relinquishing having other people care for them. Sure. Because they're so used to caring for you. So I'm 53 and she's 80. And she's like, well, you can't possibly do that. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, I really can go get you a soda. It's <laughs> it's okay. So it was an intense three weeks. Um, we didn't deal with a lot of other sort of issues at that point because we really just wanted to make sure she was getting strong enough. But uh, it, it, she's selling an apartment in the middle of all this. She's They had an apartment in Florida. And so they're trying to put it on the market and they got a bid. And so then there's all this like, wrangling for how that's going to go and where that money is going to be put yeah. safely. And so Jess, my opinion, she doesn't take the opinion often, <laughs> but you know, for the most part, um, for having have happened within a year of my dad's passing, we are doing okay.
2: Well, and, and, you know, I know we talked a lot about your dad's passing and that that's what was the motive for, for this show. So first off our, our deepest condolences. I know that that's, that's tough. That's a, that's a challenging, um episode to go through and then you know with everything else going on beyond that i know it's been an interesting and tough uh, couple of months for you so so our deep condolences and before we get into the depths of of that conversation um can you tell me a little bit about gen x stories and yeah. what was your motive there and what your passion for generation x is
1: it's really strange um i guess we are it's sort of our fourth season because adulting got in the way so it became hard <laughs> to do a whole full season But we've been doing this. I've been doing this since 2016. And it was my 25th college reunion. And I went back to University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. And we all seemed the same. You know, and we're all in our late 40s at that point. And I I thought there was something to it. I thought that maybe it's because we're in the arts or maybe we're just Our generation is younger at an older age. I just didn't know, and so that became my thesis that this notion of younger at an older age. Yeah, Gen (laughs) X stories became not people you were reading about in Fast Company; it would be regular people sharing their stories of what made them who they are. And you know, we we say as a tagline, which eventually developed for the the podcast, um, "How the Lost Generation Found Itself." Um, I like to sort of look back to how we were as kids. And then sort of talk about what that has evolved over, you know, 40 years. Yeah. Um, it started as a writing project and nobody would write <laughs> except me. <laughs> uh, and it was a website and I I I was almost about to give it up. I got in the domain, I did all that stuff, built the website because I'm a web designer. And then I heard about podcasts or I learned about podcasts, and I'm like, well, I've never done audio. I'm not a producer that way. I'm a web designer, but I'm a storyteller. Yeah. So there has to be be a way we can do it bought all the books bought the microphone <laughs> did the tests and launched the the podcast and as you expect as things go and they change season one was a test <laughs> with one host also she was in my uh, bridal party I'm I'm actually now divorced but she was in my wedding and we'd known each other I was married in 2001 So we knew each other since 1997 and it it seemed to form a good basis because we knew each other as younger and we grew together it didn't work out as well as i thought and so the option at the end of one season was to end it entirely again saying well okay two strikes (laughs) it didn't work with a writing project it's not going to work with season one of the podcast or find new people and that whole story of when we were younger learning about what we did when we were younger and then who we became now. Could I find people that slot into it? And our current format hit. And it's me and three other hosts. Courtney went to Penn with me. She's a year behind me. She's host one. Chris went to graduate school with me. He is an art director, most previously, of a Conan O'Brien's show. Oh, wow. Uh, we went to uh, get MFAs together at Brandis University. And Lori, I met while I was looking for a job three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> And I knew nothing about her background and I liked each of them individually. They all told good stories. Laurie, for example, is a John Jovi fanatic and she (laughs) is a 1980s freak. And we just sort of got everyone together to see what would work. They were all in LA and I'm in DC. And so we, you know, we have to do this like we're doing with zoom.
2: Right.
1: Somehow the three of them got along and we had stories to tell that I hadn't heard because I knew them in a, you know, I knew most of them in college and, and forward. So it has somehow worked. They've all become friends. We support each other in all of the issues. Specifically, this last year and a half has been a lot of adulting, as a lot of Gen Xers have had to deal with. Yeah, And we've all had to deal with loss of parents or loss of family or divorces or all that stuff. It, it's been kind of cool. And then I went back to my reunion, my 30th reunion, which was 31st, thanks to COVID, with Buttons. And said, hey, we've got this podcast that we talk about all this cool stuff. And people were like, I have stories to tell. So it's like every single time we pick a topic, we have a podcast Facebook group where we can learn about those people. All people about our age, sort of between like mid 40s and late 50s. And and it's become a really exciting thing for me to learn about that when I see all the things that are targeted to our generation like ads. Or I see TV shows that are trying to get our money. Or or clothing that is changing and going back to the nineties. Oh my god, (laughs) the shoulder pads are just too much for me. But it's it's there. They make you look really skinny, though. Those shoulder pads. My mother. Speaking of my mother, she still wears shoulder pads. And 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 during the time I was with her when my father passed away, she took them out at dinner one night and she just put them on the table. And I'm like, what the hell
0: is that? Oh my goodness! Right.
1: So it's 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 everything old is new again. Um, Our generation is the one that has the money now. Our generation yeah. is the one that they're targeting, even though they've ignored us forever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and so I think it's a cool time to have something that is focused on us, whether it is
2: Yeah. Well that that's what got me hooked into the show. Um is just the stories, how relatable they are to uh, you know, you kind of when you're growing up, you think that your world's the only world and, and that then <laughs> you hear all these parallel stories of well, that was what we were doing in my hometown and they were doing it in Dubuque, Iowa, or, you know, Ann Arbor, Michigan, or, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, um, you know, it's, I always refer to our generation as the last great childhood because, you know, it was pre tech.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: so, but we're excited for tech. We love to use tech. I mean, come on, we're on a podcast right now. Um, right. But we played outside we collected baseball cards we um, barbies like barbies right we did um you know little league my i don't my folks dropped me off and would come pick me up they weren't you know they they had that luxury it wasn't sitting there for hours and and watching games and and you know it, it was the last great era of of being a kid in my opinion i think
1: that's i think that's true i think it's there's there's two sides of being the kid, too, because there's the enjoying what we had and then not thinking about where we were going. Right. And it's been interesting to to look at the sort of dichotomy of that with our mostly non guests. We have a couple <laughs> of guests here and there because it's four of us. So it's a lot of stuff to get through. But Chris grew up in the Midwest. I grew up on the East Coast. Lori grew up in L.A. and Courtney grew up everywhere, including out of the country. And oh, so, wow. so seeing where those things happen, like we didn't even think about jobs or Courtney did. Um, we didn't think about money. We didn't think about, frankly, the passing of our parents because that's our life at that point. So it was very self-indulgent in a lot of ways, but I think we were also pretty serious kids uh, because yeah. of it. And, I, and I, I love the fact you mentioned technology because I think we're the first generation. that grew up without it and they're living with it. Like yes. millennials are are digital natives. We grew up before there was an email. Someone actually is confused when I say that I used to get online when I was 11 years old because they don't know what a bulletin board system is. But that's <laughs> or or CompuServe CB simulator when we had it. But that's where we were right. in our early teens. And now
2: we have been rich. I didn't have any of that stuff. <laughs> wow. I
1: I I watched. Um, war games and i really wanted war games at his his rig even if it even didn't mean anything my parents had one of those old betamaxes and once they got rid of the betamax Betamax. (laughs) yep i it didn't even work anymore but i just put it by my desk so it looked like matthew broderick's rig so cool so i had i didn't well because i i I had that but i didn't have friends (laughs) oh Because well, i taking
2: o- a turn.
1: Well, I mean, I'm an only child. So it's like I'm an only child. And I'm an introvert. So I had all the stuff I wanted in my room. And then I'd go and have dinner with my parents because I like adults versus kids. So it was it was an interesting childhood. And it's interesting to sort of talk to other people about it because you think you're alone. And then you find out there's some similarities. And then you find out absolutely differences because Chris had, I think, three siblings, additional siblings uh brothers and a sister. And then um Lori had one brother, younger brother, and I'm an only and so is court. And so it's like those are those are big differences in how you yeah. grow. So I, you know, I love the idea of come when you just mentioned the Italian your parents come home when the lights come on. Because <laughs> most kids have that my parents didn't let me do that because I don't know. They were just scared that I would go do something. So it was like, well just go up to your room and go do something on your computer and then come down for dinner. Well, okay. We'll do that. <laughs> So, but it's, it's been cool to hang out and to meet people like you, to meet more Gen Xers because we're a little hidden, you know, everyone yeah. focuses. Like you mentioned, Sandwich Generation can be between those generations. It can also be raising a parent while you're raising a child.
2: <laughs> <laughs> raising a
1: parent. <laughs> um, which often puts you between, in our age, what, you're a little younger than I am. But for me, my parents were Silent Generation and I don't okay. have kids. But if I had kids, they would be Gen Zers. Um, so millennials, I write off a little bit because I don't understand millennials. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 even when we were talking, I mean, I don't get too serious. But even when we're talking about grief, how my mother grieved was so entirely different than as a Gen Xer, I grieved, and and trying to dance around that while we're okay. also trying to do very serious things, while we're trying to get funeral, while we're trying to figure out his will or trying to do all that takes a lot out of you. And you want to, you want to express that energy. I think we are, someone actually just told me recently, we're a generation that had Oprah. So we we talk, we had talk shows. My parents didn't talk about that stuff. And my mother is still a very above board human. And so there was a disconnect for that. And, and realizing that as you age is a little different than, you know, my opinion of my parents when I was 15 versus my opinion of my mother when I'm 53, it, it changes. And, and those life things help move that along, unfortunately for the, for the good or for the bad. I think it's, I think it's both
2: to be honest. Yeah. When I want to, we're going to get to that grief conversation here in a second. I, I do want to, um, you know, while we're talking about raising our parents or, or taking care of them, well, we we try to bring on professionals that have degrees and designations in certain areas. Um, you know, we just had Alice Heath on who has a behavioral finance accreditation. Um, you know, we have CPAs and, and attorneys, and you know, you know, I'm a licensed uh advisor. But <laughs> I'm none no, of that. <laughs> not well, and that. there's there's no professional when it comes to going through grief. Right. Um, but I think that's what you are, especially based on the conversation that, that we had a few months ago was, was, you know, you were very open with me about it. So, so if you don't mind, I wanted to, you know, kind of talk to you first about, um, you know, the, the, the path that, that you and your mom are, or that you took, um, you know, when your dad was, was diagnosed and, and what that, you know, taking care of um, a parent was, what that experience was like for you.
1: It's it's an interesting conversation. I'm able to have it better. Uh, it's nine months, ten months. Oh, oh I couldn't have talked about this a couple months into it. Sure. Um my dad, first and foremost, was a physician. He was an orthopedic surgeon and a very professional guy. And he handled he handled most of the details in my family. My mom had her own little account. She had she was a teacher, she had her own little stuff, but dad handled life. Okay. And I was used to dad handling life, and and it, since the pandemic, my father and I would Facetime every day. I don't know how it really began, but every single day we would talk for almost three years. Um, so I got very close to him, even closer than I used to be. And, my, and okay. again, I'm a daddy's girl. Sure. Um, it, just how it, how it happens. Um, when he was sick, we actually didn't know he was sick, so. Last June he fell and he messed up his right knee and he had issues on his left side he had issues now on his right side because he he actually tore the ACL in his right leg but it wasn't healing and he'd gone to he'd gone to a rehab my mother's 80th birthday was the 23rd of July last year so I went up to Philadelphia from DC right before her birthday we broke dad out of the rehab and we were going to wait for his knee to the swelling to go down so he could have knee surgery. That was the plan. Okay. And he came home, not good. We just couldn't figure it out because he, he had just a knee injury and everything sort of started to go sideways. So he was home for about 10 days and he was getting worse and worse. And none of us thought what it actually was. So finally we called a doctor. Um, again, if we ever want to talk about the healthcare system and how much money you have to spend <laughs> to actually get a doctor. We got a concierge doctor who within an hour diagnosed my father, which he hadn't been diagnosed in 80 years. He was 84. Okay. He thought he had a stroke because everything that was an issue physically was on his right side. And it turns out that they took him to the, the hospital and they found a mass on the left side of his brain, a three centimeter mass that turned into a glioblastoma. And if your your listeners aren't don't know what that is, it is brain cancer. It yep. is the worst possible brain cancer that never has a positive outcome. It's always a death sentence. And we sort of knew that a little bit. Dad knew, but right. he didn't care. Because he didn't want to scare us. Okay. So he had the the initial surgery, um, which was to get a biopsy and to get the diagnosis. And that was August 4th. And right before then, I found out later. He contacted all of his people. He contacted his financial advisor and he contacted his lawyer and he contacted his accountant. And he said, is everything set? Because my dad had it all worked out. I didn't know that right away. I'm just sort of focused on my God. My father is sick. He's got brain cancer. What does that mean? Right. Um, He had to recover for two weeks in the hospital until they could start radiation because of the surgery. And they literally put a plate in his head. And then he had to go start rehab, uh, not rehab, radiation and chemo. Um, He did not last very long with that. He did, I think, three radiations and like five days in in a row of a chemo pill. And his body couldn't take it. And he ended up intubated and back in the hospital. And mom at that point, um, there was a lot of denial. I think she really thought he could be healed. And she thought that this was one of those cancers that goes into remission, which sadly it doesn't. And I knew that. And then yeah. it became an issue of, oh my God, we're going to have to plan a funeral, and he's not—he's not, he's not going to make it. And I'm 52 years old, an only child, and I've had my parents all that time. I'm—I right. I'm, there's a lot of Gen Xers and a lot of people who are younger than us who don't have both parents still. So it was like, wait, wait a minute. How how are we going to do this? And then how am I going to be left caring for my mother, who is very independent, but dad kept her separate from a lot of the stuff. He even kept me separate from a lot of the sure. stuff. A couple years ago, I asked him to let the accountant take over his bills. He'd still know what it was. Right. He said, sure, sure, sure. And he never did. <laughs> so uh, it's a period of, intensity because you're losing a parent it's a period of oh my god we're gonna have to get everything organized you got to pay for all these things can they pay for it can they not pay for it um in retrospect i can look at that and and see those tasks at the yeah. time i couldn't it was no, just so blinded. Yeah. blinded blinded but it's um in retrospect um he he was ended up back in the hospital um i was up there september 1st again i'd come home for a couple of days and he he went on hospice right after that Labor Day and lasted six days in hospice. And they took care of him, and they took care of my mother, and they took care of us. And the morning of September 11th, we get the phone call that he has passed. Uh, and everything goes sideways at that yeah. point because there's grief. And then there's – I don't know how people go – in Judaism, you're supposed to put someone on the ground as soon as humanly possible. And I'm—I'm I'm, my parents are Jewish, but I'm Jewish. Okay. We didn't do that because the the funeral home was like, you do what you got to do. He'll be fine. My dad did flowers. And so okay. we wanted the weather to be beautiful and we wanted it to be as nice as it could be in September. So we waited and had a beautiful, crisp day four days later for his funeral. And then as you, you do Shiva, you sit Shiva, which is supposed to be seven days. We did one and we did it the following day outside because of COVID. Okay. So all those things, you sort of have to change those rules a little bit and rely on someone else to make a decision for you saying, this right. is, this is what I think I want. Go ahead and do it. We didn't care about the money at that point. We, we probably should have, <laughs> but it was like, what, what does mom want for dad?
2: Right. And dad couldn't. Well, you, you said something there, you know, the, those rules and, you know, I, again, I'm, ve- I'm very, very blessed. Both of my parents are, are still with me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, have experienced loss, have had friends pass away. And, and what my experience has been is when it comes to grief, there aren't any rules. No.
1: No. Um, there aren't. You
2: know, that's kind of the the message we get to our clients. Um, your job is to grieve, our job is to do everything, even when it comes to opening your mail. You know, you <laughs> you grieve, we'll get to this. Yep. Um, because in that process and I do it every day. I know how important money is, but in that process, in that moment, it's just money. And it's
1: just money. And if you can, if you don't do too much during that period of time, I mean, you don't want to abuse it right? sort of know where you need to be, you know, what your, what your edges yeah. are. Um, I think that you're hundred percent right. That if you the
2: be together, be with your people, that's, it's funny. Anytime we go through that, I have I a have really a core group of, of five friends Well, me and four other friends that we grew up together from the time we were in second grade. Um, You know, we played little league baseball together. We grew up, played basketball, graduated together. Um, And my one friend always says, when we're going through something like that, just stay together. Yeah. That's it. Just stay together. And that's what you have to do. You have to surround yourself with your people, And, and everybody's tribe is different. Some of its family, some of its friends, some of its coworkers. You know, some of it's, some folks like to deal with it on their own. Um, but when it comes to the grief, I we've noticed, I've noticed experiencing that, you know, all too often, especially with clients, the rules are tossed out the window.
1: Yeah. Not only they tossed out the window, I, my mother got very worried about doing everything right. All right. And, and we had to be convinced by the professionals that my father contacted. Yeah. That if you miss a bill, you miss a bill. It's not the end of the world. It's it's you're getting things under control. We thought that we could get everything out of his name and everything updated in a month. It's not going (laughs) to
2: happen.
1: It's 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 not even a year yet. And we still we still have his credit card going. I still have his phone number. I still have his phone. So it took I don't think my mother still is ready for it because I I, I finally gave in to that and said, okay, the professionals say we're cool. (laughs) They have access to the bank account. Um, they have access to his will. They have access to all these things. If they say take a deep breath and you just be with your family, we're going to do that. Yeah, but it's it's. I think that generation has a hard time um, trusting that. Uh, you know I I mean who knows I I I can say in retrospect well, I trusted it, it, but I don't know.
2: It is, and, and I want you to, I want you to in a second talk about the, the role the financial advisor played because you had mentioned you had a you all had a wonderful experience with him. So I want to make sure that talk about that, but typically it has been our experience that my profession can be quite punishing during that yeah. process.
1: Yeah, it can. You know,
2: insurance companies can be slow. Banks can be difficult to deal with. Um, and I think that's where that the, the older generation's lack of trust came from was, all right, this money has now been transferred somebody's going to try to sell me a financial product right right and i am i don't want to be sold a financial product while i'm grieving and and quite frankly having the mindfulness to know that is is very important because the all the the decision the conversation that happens nine times out of ten in our office when we're especially with a spouse well what would have he wanted What would have she, well, she wanted me to do this. I'm going to do this because that's what she wanted. And that may have been what, what, you know, the deceased wanted, but you've got to keep your mind on your goals, right? You've got to keep your, your, it has to be tunnel vision. And if you don't have that ability right now, because you're grieving, the best thing you can do is nothing. Obviously pay your bills, but you get what I'm saying. It, 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 the best thing you can do is nothing. The market is always going to be there. The banks are always going to be there. There will be a financial product to buy. There will be a portfolio to use six months, eight months, 10 months from now. You yeah. get through this with a clear, a clear mind, clear vision, when you can have your goals in front of you again, and then have a conversation about how to treat this money.
0: Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the Monetary Mixtape Tape because you want to learn about financial planning and wealth management. If you have any questions at the end, please head over to www.hoffmanwealth.com or look in the show notes to schedule a call with us.
1: I think that's that's the ideal we strive for. And I, right. I'm I know that I we were lucky to have that. I know there are some people who aren't, and they get targeted. Sure. And and I would I hate when I hear those stories that that a grieving widow is asked is forced to make decisions that maybe she didn't have to make.
2: Yeah. yeah. I always find myself apologizing for our profession and during that process because yeah. um, you know, we, uh, you know, maybe it's a feather in our cap. We try our best to be the antithesis to that. That story is um, because, you know, there's a stat in our profession, almost 90% of advisors lose the spouse when one passes away. And um. I, I think it's for two reasons. One, kind of what, what you know, with your dad handling everything, now your mom's in control, and maybe your mom says, you know, I never liked that guy. <laughs> and it's probably because he talked to your dad and didn't talk to the spouse. Other is, um, I don't want to be sold a financial product, so I'm going to, to to leave. And, you know, that stat to me is, you know, obviously as an advisor, it's troubling, but it, it just tells me that as a profession, we need to be doing a better job. And, and I, th- I think we are, um, tell me a little bit about the the experience you had with, with your advisor or your, or your dad's advisor and what was so wonderful about it.
1: I think what's good about it is, um, my whole family has the same set of financial people. And I include financial people as the advisor who does the investing as the state attorney who actually went to sleep away camp with my father and was one of his <laughs> pallbearers. Oh man. Right. And then the accountant, who is in some form or another was involved with my family for decades because they had one agency that agency the guy retired and they gave it to someone else they gave it so this is this is the outcome of all those things so these people have been with my family for decades so we were never worried that they would take advantage we were never worried we'd be sold something when we weren't yeah. ready um, the closest thing to that was really doing the funeral home and they didn't do that. It was, it was my mother who, <laughs> who likes these things. Um, and I was looking at, at, you know, no one tells you that as a child, you may have to pick out your parents' coffin, for example. Yeah. And the costs that come with a funeral and that come with all that. Nobody tells you that. And my mother sort of didn't have a cap on that. And I, I maybe I should have kept it to her, but I, I didn't. <laughs> we met new people there and you get a little bit of that distrust, but, they were fabulous and they did exactly what we wanted them to do. So that suite of people helped us through in a time where your brain is shot and and grief brain is real. I didn't, I thought that you could get through it. My, my, when I eventually got back into therapy, I am a, I'm a creative. So that's a right brain person. Your left brain is sort of your, your executive function. She's like, just say goodbye to that. You're not going to have that for quite some time. (laughs) Don't make any big, major decisions. Do your art, but you're not going to be able to think through that. And it's 100% true. So having people that you can rely on to do that. So the the people who we actually focus the most on ended up being the accountant. Okay. They are they are a small financial firm. Uh, my IRA and all that is with them. My father's stuff was with them. They are not sort of like multi-city in that sense. They're in yeah. Philadelphia. So that it was, I could speak to a human and I could, and they knew my father. And so he, they had quarterly meetings where they would do a Zoom and they would talk about their finances. So I could say, this is what's happening. Dad's in the hospital. He's going to pass. Can you, for example, just add me as a beneficiary? If I'm not already, make sure I'm a beneficiary. And they did it. They didn't even ask any questions. We didn't need a death certificate at that point. Yeah. So there were, there were things like that, that helped us. And to know that when the time came, they'd be there. The accountant is the one who made the biggest difference on an ongoing basis with my mother because um we joke that it took it takes five of us to do what one man did because he knew where his bills were and yeah. he knew what his monthly what cut was coming in he was retired he actually officially retired when he was eighty and he died at eighty four he was he was he did a lot of um lawyer uh, representation he did he that I forget what its name. When you go and you you're a doctor and you testify and you're an expert witness, he did a lot of that stuff even into his into eighty. Okay. So he knew where his money was coming from. He knew where certain things were. He had some bills that were paid auto, so some so never came paper. It just came to his email. Some that were paid, or you know, he just had that all in his head. Yeah. And we never got that. out like I didn't know that. We found that out as time went on, and the the accountant knew some of it, but had great tips like if you can get into his email, get into his account, make everything paper and then send us the paper because then Smart. they could sort of put the things together. Um, I my, my, Again, my father died on the 11th of September and I stayed in Philadelphia until the 1st of October so that all those people could come see mom. Okay, And I wanted to be present for the meeting when the will was read and when the accountant came in and when we got on the phone with the financial people to know what we had to do for the next year. And so when they showed up, they're like, yeah, your father called us and said, when I pass, you've got to handle Michelle's bills. My, my mother's name is Michelle. My father okay. was, was William. Was your name? Same name. Um, that made a big difference because she had started while he was in the hospital to do the bills. Yeah. And she's not. She's like me. I'm a very creative soul. She's a she's a classics teacher. Numbers no bueno. Yeah, <laughs> And and it was all numbers and it was all, she had to double check and she had a, she had checks. She was still doing checks and some things were paid automatically and some weren't. So that was a relief to know that they were going to order another checkbook. They were going to send all the bills or mom was going to collect all the bills and then tw- every two weeks take them and someone was going to go through them with her. Things like taxes to know when your taxes were going to hit, yeah. like all of that stuff. Mom knew existed, but she never had to do it, and she would never give me the freedom to do it because she's in control. Right. So so that team was really important. The the estate attorney probably did the least in some ways, but did the most in some ways too, because as we got past the initial passing, my father had made my mother a beneficiary and everything, which meant that the will was unnecessary and that's unusual and you probably deal with any people yeah. coming in with estate planning and you have to go to probate and then you have to you know prove the death and you need death certificates or you have to wait until that comes out of probate you got to file with the county got You to do all this crap my dad took care of that which yeah. i don't think happens to a lot of people my age that we have to go through the house we have to go through you know your bank account can't be released because the dead person has is gone and then it's right. locked. He had put my mother's name on the bank accounts, so it was it was just normal, really, at yeah. that point. And it just became okay. What are we going to do now? How are we going to do this? How are you going to make sure that your spending <laughs> is cool with what <laughs> Dad spent on his bills? And then knowing what the bills were, you know, the accountant and other people gave me tips about where to look for things. That was hugely yeah. helpful. Once my brain sort of was processing a little bit more, I actually made a spreadsheet for him. And I'd say, this is this is this vendor. This is what dad pays. This is the date that it goes. That's critical to be able to figure that stuff out. So yes. um, I will always be grateful for them to take their time with us and to know that it, it I was supporting my mother as best as I could at that point. But there was a speed to go. Yeah. They, they didn't like day one say, okay, here you go.
2: Right. <laughs> sign here, sign here, sign here. No. Me, right. No. And, <laughs> and I'm glad to know that was your experience. I'm, yeah. I'm glad to know that, um, you know, I, I've said on this, this or this show a lot, you know, I don't know any bad advisors. I don't Thank know any, and, um, I'm glad that, that you had that same experience. You know, maybe it's just the circle that I keep is, is not, um, not in that, that mindset to uh, hurry up and sell another financial product. So, so I want to ask one more question. And and, um, when you're dealing with all this, you're a very driven woman. You have, um, you know, your podcast, you have your website, you have your your own profession, your own money. Um, How, how do you keep track of your own goals um, while you are, you know, dealing with the grief, dealing with taking care of dad, dealing with taking care of mom. Um, and I'm going to I'm sure there's some emotions or feelings that go along with that. How, how was that for you?
1: I'm going to be really honest. I didn't do it.
2: Okay.
1: I i i i couldn't. I mean, I, I trusted. I didn't make any big moves. Let's put it that way. I trusted the people who I was with. I had the same vendor, the same people my father had. Right. And I relied on my father a lot for suits. So, ideas frankly he had maybe about six months before he passed he sent me one of those i guess it's a it's a it's a calendar i don't know he said his father gave it to me could write things in it okay okay whatever he wants to do (laughs) i i went out on my own three plus years ago and my dad supported me in it and when i had to pay my first tax bill which was significant because i'm now independent yeah, he was like, my, "I'll tell you what my father said to me, which is like, you made the money, you got to pay the taxes. I'm sorry, <laughs> the bigger that your tax bill is, the bigger that your money is. So, without that, I was a bit lost. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't make any any change, any big changes. I smart. Um, I still haven't. I, I you know, I'm with these people. We are so focused on mom that I put my stuff to the back seat. I know, I know how many how much money I need to make to get through it. The okay. only thing that I focused on was, did I have enough money in the bank if I needed to take off for a period of time? Gotcha. Which, which I did. Good. Um, and then it's the question of how do I get that back up? What are your numbers? What are your basic expenses? How can you just coast until your brain is right again? Yeah. So I I I didn't do as much as I really had hoped to do. Um. In my my little brain, I'm I'm hoping the best that I can keep doing. it'll be there when I'm ready to do it. It'll be there when I'm ready to sort of get back up to that level, but I'm, I'm not. So it's just too emotional and it's too um, worrisome to be honest. It just, it just really is. But I I have faith that I've been smart up until this point. My father sort of instilled in me those things Mm -hmm. and I'm learning more and more about the things that he put inside my brain for managing your money or managing your, your life um more than i thought and so that has helped me sort of have the faith that i'm doing the right things and and i'm just going to cross my fingers that it keeps <laughs> doing
2: that well and it sounds like you have a, a group of great professionals in your corner that that are there to you know give advice at your pace yeah. and at your speed and when in your comfort level which is ultimately um what what is important yeah for, for you and for them to be be doing
1: 100% and i i wish everybody had that i know a lot of people don't Um, I have that history, you know, I have that shared history. So knowing that those are people who are willing to be there in my corner or to say things like, Financial advisor, um, there was one with two private two products. I have one IRA and another account. Um, the existing account wasn't generating what they thought it would. Okay. They decided to change the product and they contacted me saying, We just will let you know you don't have to do anything. This is no longer going to be where we're going to put your money. We're going to move it over here for a short period of time. You'll have these three. As they pulled this one out, they told me exactly what they're going to be doing. I said, "Go for it."
2: Good. Well, and and if you're listening, we're out there. There there are good advisors that are out there. Hopefully, you're working with one. There are you know stand up professionals in this in this business in this profession. It sounds like what your experience was is the experience we tried to give our clients. So. I'm glad you were taken care of. and as as we wind up, I do want to say thank you for sharing all this. I know that could have been very emotional for you. It's tough to share, and I'm glad you're getting through it. I do want to give one more sort of public service announcement while we're winding up. You know, we talk a lot about money. we want to see growth. We want to see um you know folks be fiscally responsible. We talk a lot about about a lot of other stuff today. Just make sure that if you, need to get help. You're getting it. You're talking with therapists. you're talking with your friends. you're talking with your spouse, your loved one, your brothers, your sisters, your kids, your parents. please make sure that you're doing that this this is like I said, what we're talking about is only our money. It's important. it's important to us. I know it's important to you all, but, there's a lot of other things that that are important, and one of them has got to be your mental health. So make sure, if if you take one thing from this, even mentioned talking with with her therapist, um, you know, please, please, please get that help. Remember what my buddy always says: stay together. That stuff is important. Keep your tribe together. Talk to them. Talk to the doctor. So I want to make sure I get that point across because th- this can be some deep. and, and heavy, um, things that we go through. And I think Eve said it best. You get blinded by it and, and you don't know when you're going to see again.
1: And I I think you, you actually bring up another really good point that if you can talk to your parents about their wishes, yes, do it now. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine, I'm grateful that we knew where most things were, but a lot of people don't. So if there's a lawyer and you need to know what their number is, get it. If there are accounts, I have one friend whose mother passed and everything was cool except one account that was hidden and that had to go to probate and they discovered that by accident. So know where everything is. Um, My father, I picked on him actually a lot. He had a a notes thing in his phone that had all of his passwords for everything. (laughs) And I'm like, dad, you can't put that in one place. And he's like... I'm doing it. And I would yeah. be home there and he's like, I'm signing up for Paramount Plus, add it to the file. <laughs> and it that thing is the most precious thing ever Valuable because thing. Right. I can get into his accounts now. So yeah. I know where his accounts are. I know how he logged into them. I could go when I log in, see what the last payment was, see if it's auto pay. So any way that you can get that, if you have the relationship with those parents, have the conversation if you find out during that conversation that one doesn't know what the other one's doing, see if you can do all of them together because we were able to get through it because dad trusted his team and I have the same team and they were willing to, to, to share with me what was going on. But some people don't have that. So, so you're, you're, I think you're right. I think that knowing who your people are, they'll be different than you think they are, to be honest, they were for Um, me. I thought some people were going to be there and they weren't. Um, This is the first time I've been able to talk about it and not cry. So thank you, because (laughs) I'm able to talk about something that is very, very task based. Yeah. As opposed to something that's too emotional. But but the lessons that I'm learning from the people who I speak to, who in the beginning tended to be women who lost fathers, ironically. Yeah. And the things that they learned and the things that they found out or the things that they were ready to execute on um, vary. Some of them are like, I have no idea what's going on. Others like me, it was tax time. And I pull together Google Docs for the accountant because he's my accountant. Yeah, and I can say these are all the things we paid for Dad's care. You can put those. You can write those off the taxes. I mean, these are these are just little things that again you learn over time. But know how you can support the surviving spouse, and know how you can support yourself as yes. well. It's tough. It's a. It's yes. a. Nobody. Nobody wants to. This is a conversation that nobody wants to have, but we all have to have because it's yes, gonna happen.
2: yeah. You're you're 100 right. It is it is tough, but it's necessary. And uh, have them. That that's the have best it. I can do. And and what have we learned from all the uh, the professionals we've had on here, Wendy? Have it right now. Get started right now. That that's that's been the message that the the college saving folks and the FAFSA guru and they all say: start right now. Do it right now. If you hear this, wait till the end of the episode and right. then <laughs> <laughs> reach out. Have the talk with your folks, have the talk with your advisors. It, it's important. And it also
1: um, it relates to your kids too, because we're talking about being a sandwich generation. Right. One of my co-hosts on the podcast changed everything that she did for her son based on what happened with her mother. Mm-hmm. So when her mother passed away, the things that she learned changed what she and her husband did for the child that they're rearing. And hopefully that'll stick with him as he grows. So yes. it's never you're never in a in a vacuum during this stuff. And the more that you can sort of have these difficult conversations, or she even had a suggestion to Google the checklist of the things that you should ask your family about. You know, the most basic. Yeah, is- that's.
2: I think we even have one of those on our website. I'll make sure I put that. Um, Do that. If we have that, I'll make sure we put that that in the show notes and with, with a link to that. It's important. Um, Eve, we have to we have to wrap up now. Wendy's okay. giving me the the hook. <laughs> If our folks want to check out your podcast, where do they find it? How do they, how do they touch base with you and learn more about Gen X stories?
1: Um, You can literally find us on our brand new website, genxstories.com. You can find all of our episodes for the last four seasons. You can see about all of our folks. You can contact us directly if you'd like to, if you want to follow up with the show or you want to file, you know, have an idea to, to come on the show. You can also check out some stuff at our Instagram, which has slowed down of what's been going on, but it's at genicstories.com on Instagram. Those are our best ways to get in touch with us.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing your experience, sharing your story. Um, as always, if if you want to get in touch with us, hoffmanwealth.com is our website. I'm very active on LinkedIn and there's Will Hoffman AIF. Find me, chat me up. If you have a question, feel free to reach out. Uh, Wendy, you want to take us home?
1: I do. And thank you guys. And thank you for joining us today on Monetary Mixtape. Please like, follow, and share with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy
0: McConnell. Don't bounce just yet. The streetlights haven't come on. Thank you for listening to the Monetary Mixtape podcast. If you thought this episode was dope, then click the follow button to be notified when we drop a new episode. Visit our website at hoffmanwealth.com. Or give us a call at 724-522-5411. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hoffman Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and Hoffman Wealth Management are separate entities from LPL Financial. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly.